0: hi class so to continue with part two of our discussion on positioning and body mechanics and everything that goes along with it we're going to start with documentation be sure to document we say many many times in nursing if you don't document it it wasn't done so be sure document everything that you do, no matter how insignificant you might think it is. Um, The specific behavior that made restraints necessary. So still keeping in our discussion about restraints, you need to document the behavior. You need to document the type of restraint. You need to document um, the explanations that given to the client and staff, so everything that was said the exact time the restraints are applied and removed. Um, And that's important because you do need to do an assessment while the patient is in restraints and the assessment is Q2 hours. You cannot go over that. Just like when we talked about turning, you need to document at least once every two hours Um, Patient safety, what kind of position now is the patient in now that they're in restraints? What are they doing? What are they saying? If there's any profanity being used, you can always um, leave blanks to fill in the word. Or if you want a direct quote, it's okay to direct quote it in that instance um, just to stress the type of mind frame and to give more clarity to the situation if you wish. Um, And then notification of the physician, of course, we talked about that. Okay, Um, the next slide you're going to see is the actual um, documenting um, and what it looks like and it's divided in every two hours as you will notice. Potentials for abuse. Potentials for abuse. Domestic violence and abuse. Um, As we discussed last week in class, it's the fastest growing public health problem in the United States. And I did show you the um, example that was happening in Turkey, where um, I think it was 455 women that were killed by their husbands in the year 2018, which is startling. That was the website with the shoes that was done by the artist on the wall of the building if you want to re-google it. Um, Abuse by a male partner is the single largest cause of injury to women in the United States. There's 15 million cases a year and it occurs in all racial, ethnic, and socioeconomic levels. So um, domestic abuse is referring to any abuse that happens in the home. Many cases go unreported. Some cultures permit violence to women, um, which is a little bit hard for us to understand here in America. Um, It happens whether or not they permit it or not. It happens in every country. Um, So just be aware of that. Potentials for abuse, elder abuse and neglect increasing in the 21st century. Physical abuse can also include poor nutrition, lack of medical care, and emotional abuse such as threats or examples. And refer back to the links in your agenda from last week's class um, that can tell you and show you more about the type of abuse from the video that we saw. So when you think abuse you know, with the elderly, you wanna also think about neglect and you wanna think about the emotional abuse. Financial abuse is a huge one with the elderly, so make sure you're also thinking in terms of that. Um, <clears throat> and as discussed in class, you are not obligated to report abuse of an adult, you can strongly encourage the uh, woman or man because abuse does happen with males. It's just very underreported. But you can strongly encourage you can supply information um, to women. We'll just use women as an example since it's a higher case of that. Um, and you can try to you know talk with them and listen to them if they will talk. but, um, You can, but you're not obligated to as a nurse, but you are obligated with children and you're obligated with the elderly. So remember that. Um, And that's the reason we see um, kind of like information posted on the inside of bathroom stalls for women. Be always conscious of the fact that if they're in an abusive relationship, um, believe and know that their things are being gone through by their abusive partner Um, there's hardly anything they're probably going to be able to keep private so be careful when sharing information Um, it almost has to be be done covertly, and it is really the decision. Like I said, we're going to just use the woman. It's a decision of the woman to decide when she's had enough and to leave the abusive relationship. But there's always a plan that's needed because there's multiple factors that might be involved, you know, including children. So just be sensitive to that as a nurse. Elder abuse is inflicting pain or injury, withholding food, money, medication, or care. That happens. Confinement, meaning you, um, they're kept in a room by themselves. Physical or chemical restraints, <clears throat> we know what physical restraints are. We talked about chemical restraints being medication. That's really not needed as a part of their medical treatment, but it's really as a means to keep someone quiet and out of your hair, in other words. There's theft or intentional mismanagement of assets. Um, There's sexual abuse that happens, sadly, um, with the elderly. Withdrawal of large sums of money without apparent reason. Signing over a home to a relative. I have seen this. You might see this in your career where you're taking care of um, elderly patients in a nursing home and a family members are showing up with paperwork. There should be no paperwork that's being signed out of the presence of a third party, especially if they're living in a nursing home. That means that their um, <clears throat> business kind of is being handled, you know, in the front office. Someone should be aware of this. Um, Threatening to do any of the above. Even a threat is abuse. Um, Elderly people should not be threatened. No one should, but it is abuse that's reportable when it comes to the elderly. Um, So just be aware of these things. There is um, an office in the county, in any county um, that you are in. It's ran by the state, it's called the ombudsman, and if you work in a nursing home right now, you may have seen these people come through, and they are the advocate of the elderly patient. There's a lot of times they're leaving information for them, um, and just informing them of their rights, and if they need help, that they can reach out to these different agencies that will help them. Continuing with elder abuse, People are living longer and many do not have the resources to care for the side effects of aging. So this can cause people to be abusive. So um, just keep that in mind. So you can imagine someone having um, little assets. Abuse commonly occurs in families in which personal and financial resources have been exhausted. So I know we've all been listening to the news lately and learning that um, the rates of abuse have gone up, Um, physical abuse and domestic violence. You can imagine if you already were a family struggling financially and you lived in a home with an abuser, and now because of the COVID situation, now the resources are even less. So imagine everybody who is struggling in these type situations. So keep that in mind. It's a nursing responsibility to report any suspected abuse or violence against the elderly. Indicators of physical abuse. So there are some signs and symptoms that even if it's not spoken to you, you can tell or you can surmise that abuse may be happening. Um, as nurses, we document what we see, what we smell, what we hear, what the patient says. All that subjective information along with objective information that might lead um, To an abuse situation. So there's bruises, choke marks, torn or stained or bloody underclothing. It's a big one. Cuts, fractures, injuries to the head or face. Suspicious marks um, caused by coins, cords, or belts, used as a restraint, so make sure you're checking in the areas where if someone's tied up, you know they could have residual effects, or residual marks on their body. Drowsiness, dry cracked lips are a sign of dehydration, so that goes along with neglect. Drooling, a vacant stare, that might be the result of over-medication. Indicators of neglect, poor physical or oral hygiene, smell of urine or feces that could tell they're not being um, properly washed up um, or showered, pressure ulcers um, indicating that the patient has been left in one position too long, don't have the proper bedding, all kinds of things like that, unexplained weight loss, malnutrition and dehydration, understaffing or high staff turnover in um, care facilities, inadequate training of staff. So if the place is understaffed or um, if there's high staff turnover, that means there's no continuity of care. So um, with high turnover, people are not being properly trained. So. Neglect can definitely happen in those situations, so you want to be monitoring for that. Indicators of behavioral abuse, fear helplessness, resignation, depression, anxiety, agitation, implausible story. So the story just seems so outlandish, so far-fetched, so made up, it puts a little inkling in your mind that it might be like a cover up for someone who's being abused because they're scared, especially the elderly. They know they have to go back home to live with this person, or they know this person's gonna continue to be their caretaker, so they're gonna be reluctant to tell you the true, full story Um, And also, they may just be trying to get on the good side of the caretaker, not make them angry because they don't want to be abused again when they leave. Anger, denial, hesitation to talk openly, um, confusion or disorientation, or being non-responsive. These are all signs of abuse um, for no apparent reason, of course, non-responsiveness. Indicators of relational abuse, meaning... um, They're related to the person who's doing the abusing. Restrictions on um, contacts, meaning that the caretaker, the abuser, is not allowing company to come see mom or dad or grandmom. Um, They don't take them out for activities. They're not engaged with things. Speaking for oneself, you ask a question to the patient who's alert and oriented, and the family member jumps in and answers everything for them. Being alone um, with anyone else. So, again, you don't let visitors come in because, heaven forbid, they would spill the beans and tell, you know, what's going on in the home. Family or care providers provide conflicting reports on the elder's condition. So it might be by more than one person. There might they may be in cahoots with another family member because you know maybe there you know some type of financial um, abuse going on and maybe they're splitting the money or something like that. So family members could be in cahoots with each other, um, and now their stories are not matching up when they've come into the hospital or they come to the doctor. <clears throat> Suspicions of substance abuse by the caregiver. Um, So if you, you know, are there and whoever's brought them in and you suspect that there's some type of substance abuse going on, you know, by the person who brought them in, maybe they're intoxicated or maybe they don't quite look right, they're disheveled, they're slurring their speech or any other indicators that, you know, something's not right with the caregiver. Maintaining joint mobility, we'll move into that now. Joints develop decreased mobility with lack of exercise due to the short, a shortening of the muscles. So this is what we were talking about, um, contractures. It's actually a shortening of the muscles and a shortening of the tendons. And there's something called a tendon release surgery that if um, contractures got bad that the patient might need to have in order to restore full mobility. There's active range of motion, which means that the patient can move their own body, without a problem, and passive range of motion, which means the patient can't move their limb. They may be paralyzed or some other reason, but the um, nurse, it's passive because it's done through the nurse or another caregiver, an aide or something, but the patient can't do it themselves. The rationale for range of motion, putting joints through their normal positions. So it keeps their muscles limber, it increases circulation, it decreases risk of contractures which I just talked about. Range of motion exercises. Put the muscles through normal range of motion, move slowly, repeat each motion three times, support the limb, do not force the motion. If um, someone is contracted, it's important that you don't force them to straighten their arm or straighten their leg because you can literally break their um, legs. You can literally break their arms or limbs or legs. Okay? The client should feel a stretch but not pain, so when you're doing range of motion exercises, make sure you're just going to the point of stretching. If they can't do something, don't force it um, and let the patient lead you with that. Use good body mechanics yourself because with good body mechanics, you are preserving your own health, okay? Perform range of motion during baths or treatments. That's a good time. Range of motion should not be painful. Okay, Um, range of motion should not be painful, but it um, should be. So range of motion terms, flexion, extension, plantar flexion, and dorsiflexion, all right. And so the next slides, you can see an example of these things. There's extension, which it's showing you there with the wrist. so extension is if you're extending your wrist up to the ceiling. Flexion, you're pressing it down towards the floor. Again, you can repeat that motion with the fingers there. And then with your foot, extension or your leg, you would be kicking your leg out. With flexion, you would be bringing your leg back towards the back of your body. And you can see there... Um, on slide 43 where it's showing you flexion and extension with your arms and um, there's a term that you will hear a lot called dorsiflexion so remember dorsi comes from the dorsal part of your foot which is the top of your foot so dorsiflexion is pointing your for- foot up towards the ceiling and extension plantar flexion is the same as um, extension, which is pointing it down towards the floor. The plantar, the underside of your foot, which is the side you walk on, is your plantar side, so that's called plantar flexion. On slide 44, you will see an example of hyperextension. This is never good for us to hyperextend our necks. Um, You can think of someone who's been in a car accident Um, where this happens. So if they get hit from the front, their head would jerk backward. And if they're hit from the back, their head would jerk forward. So you can see how this could cause a lot of damage to the spine and vertebrae. Range of motion terms, abduction and adduction. All right, so the way I always remember this was for adduction, ADD, you're adding something, so you're bringing the arms into the body. You're adding the arms into the body. That's adduction. Abduction, think of someone who's been abducted, ABD. They've been taken away. So they've been abducted, so the arms go away from the body. Okay, and then the last slide is is our range of motion terms, rotation, medial rotation and lateral rotation. You can see an example of how they um, demonstrate with the lower leg, medial is toward the middle. So the foot is rotating towards the middle of the body. And with lateral rotation, it's rotating outward, lateral to the side, that's the meaning of lateral. Okay, so as always, um, you can ask me any questions you have. Send me an email if you need to. That concludes this part of the lecture. Thank you.